What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the J-Ham Special, where I love to talk about Magic the Gathering, Warhammer 40k, Dungeons and & Dragons, and other aspects of my nerdy life. My name is John. I'll be your host for this episode of Magic Monday, where I love to talk about Magic the Gathering, which is one of my favorite tabletop card games out there. Typically, I'm bringing some information to you about, you know, different deck techs, different play styles or themes, or even just a mindset you can have as a player or somebody that is fostering a playgroup in this awesome trading card game. Today's episode is one that I have talked about previously, but there have been a lot of changes as far as what products are out there, what you can buy at stores and get your hands on nowadays. And with the pandemic, you know, who you can actually play with a lot of times. So I want to talk to you about ways you can introduce new people into the game of Magic the Gathering and ways that you can probably start off getting into the game too nowadays. I do just want to remind you guys before we jump into the topic here that if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want me to talk about different com- uh, different concepts or themes or topics, hit me up at the JM Special on Twitter or the JM Special at gmail.com. That is the official email and Twitter for the podcast. But I love to have some community conversations and some feedback, and I love to hear what you guys have to say about the game, too. So, without further ado, let's dive right in. So, this episode is going to look a little bit different compared to the last time I said that I was going to introduce people into Magic the Gathering and how to do that with your friends. 2021 looks totally different compared to how 2020 work looked, which looks entirely different than whenever I started playing Magic back in 2015. I have taught several, several, several people how to play Magic the Gathering, well over 30, and each and every single one of them was teaching them paper magic. It was something that was not a video game and something that was not on a screen, and so for me, that's where I really think the forte of the card game is, is on the paper side. There are those digital ports that allow you to play Magic the Gathering, which you can definitely look at if you want to. If you're worried about going to a local gaming store, worried about being around your friends and family to play Paper Magic, then yeah, maybe don't put this hobby in front of your health or your worries. But today's episode is going to kind of split things up into two different parts. I'm going to talk to, first, the people that do not play Magic right now, that are looking to get into it or interested in the hobby. It's kind of a quick one, and there's really only a couple ways that I'd recommend you go. And then we're going to go more and expand on how you can get your friends into the game. So, for starters, if you have not played Magic the Gathering, and you do not have access to a local gaming store or somebody that already knows how to play the game, my biggest recommendations for you would be to look at Magic the Gathering Arena. MTG Arena is a free-to-play kind of port of Magic the Gathering. Now, I'm not gonna make this a rant video. There are some cons that I don't like about MTG Arena, but there is a lot of good that comes out of the system as well. It allows people to learn how to play the game. It teaches you step-by-step how to tap lands, how to play spells, what different um, card types do. So what enchantment does versus a creature, versus a equipment, versus you know a card that cycles, versus a card that has trample. It tells you all these different things and helps teach you. And the nice thing is, as new sets come out, you can get some cards and free boosters for those sets and kind of learn a little bit about how the mechanics of that works. You can then do like little challenges and stuff that teach you the different archetypes of it. So like for me, I was playing when Ikoria was out on MTG Arena. I don't really play that much because I enjoy paper a whole lot more, but 
it uh it was teaching me the differences between like the non-human decks versus the cycling decks versus you know i think there was one third other kind of deck that they were teaching me but it was all the mechanics of the game brought all into one where it said hey we made this pre-made deck for you it's already got the colors it's already got the fixing and it's just going to tell you kind of what the mechanic does and you're supposed to play around that and honestly, I thought that was really solid. Um, MTG Arena does a much better job than Magic Duels or Duels of the Planeswalkers or um, whatever they... I think it was just, yeah, those were the two things that they called them. Um, those ones still allowed you to kind of play Paper Magic to a degree. Um, you're casting spells and the rest of that. And it does have, like, introductory, like, they teach you... Um, was it Magic Origin? Well, I, I guess it came out in Magic Origins, but the, uh, the Magic duels of the planeswalkers i think is what it's called kind of took you through each of the planeswalkers taught you the colors and you start off with kithia and then it taught you the very bare bones of how to play the spells mtg arena does a little bit better job of that and the graphics and the visuals are a little bit more enjoyable it's a little bit more exciting kind of hearthstoney which is where some of my negative stuff comes into play and i don't necessarily want to go down that route because mtg arena is a decent way to play i can tell you that my buddy alex and i during the start of covid and then some other friends that i got in touch with through different discords i was able to play magic the gathering arena so even though i didn't have my local gaming store i can go to and i didn't have my normal play group that i could play with i still got a chance to jump on discord chat you know pull up we invited each other back and forth and we battled our decks and not only we didn't just play with standard we also did brawl and we also did uh historic so there are a few different ways to play the game it's just not quite in the um the realm that i really wanted to, to be now there are other magic the gathering properties out there that you can download via mobile apps or games i think there was a game called mana strike which was kind of like a top-down moba arena battle thing um, it was okay. It was like Clash Royale, but it Magic the Gathering skin is how I would equate it. Um, then there's also Magic Puzzle Quest, which I've actually sunk a lot of time into just as a um, dink around game, just as a casual. Um, that one is not playing Magic the Gathering. Just like Mana Strike, it's not playing Magic the Gathering. You had the IP, you'll get to learn some of the characters and some of the worlds, and but it's a it's like a bejeweled game. You're matching puzzles back and forth and trying to def quote unquote defeat an opponent by matching better than they do. And that one's kind of a grind and a money sink too. The biggest thing I would advise is if you're jumping into these digital platforms, do not sink a bunch of money into them. The only one that I recommend you sink any money into if you really wanted to is Magic the Gathering Online. That is the closest you're going to get to a digital platform that allows you to play paper magic. Um, but... I don't recommend that for beginners because it doesn't teach you how to play the game. And honestly, it's a little bit older of a system. It takes a little bit of a learning curve. Um, I can attest that, hey, I was pretty confused on what the world I had to do. And so that I had to go and look up tutorials on how do I get games and how should I build my decks or where do I store things. I needed a lot of help to figure it out. And I was already playing Paper Magic when I jumped into MTGO. But I can attest that once you do learn the system, that's the closest thing you're going to get to Paper Magic. And you can actually trade your cards and get some value out of them. Versus MTG Arena, where they're primarily focused on the newer kind of standard sets, not looking to help you play in the more casual formats or even the more competitive, like, modern format. So... That's all I can really say if you want to get started in the game and you don't have a local gaming store or somebody to teach you how to play the game. The other option is you can kind of do what I did. Go to a local Walmart or a Target or somewhere that sells cards. Um, if they sell Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh, chances are they probably sell Magic the Gathering too. 
go and see what they have for decks. A lot of times they might have a starter pack in there. The cool thing with that starter pack is you can buy that and get physical cards to play IRL. And then you can use a code that's built into them to get those cards into Magic the Gathering Arena. So that way you're not spending the money in game, you're actually getting kind of two for one. You get to have physical cards, but you can import those cards over to the actual game. And I think that's pretty cool. The people I've talked to online that's been able to do that and that have recommended the product, like Tolarian Community College, check them out, they got great beginner guides. Um, they really helped out with saying, hey, this is a good product for you to get into because you do get to port those cards over. And it's two different decks that you and a buddy can kind of go back and forth and really learn how to play the game. And that allows you to not be alone on your journey of playing Magic the Gathering. A lot of it might be, I call Sad Hammer for Warhammer whenever you're playing by yourself, but it could be like Sad Hammer, but for Magic. You're just quote unquote playing solitaire or gold fishing as the community calls it, where you're playing against yourself, you're testing one deck against, against the other. There's no real tactical advantage. It's more or less that, oh, I got lucky enough to draw these cards and now I'm learning how to play these decks and cards and which one can be better against the other. A lot of times you'll, you'll learn the basics of it. My sister and I, when we went to a local gaming store down in Oklahoma, we were able to pick up, um, we asked them for welcome decks. I guess Wizards of the Coast does not do welcome decks for local gaming stores anymore, but they said, listen, we've got the starter pack. And the guy running it there, he's, he was friendly enough. He said, listen, I'm just gonna give it to you on the house. You guys go ahead and play and you enjoy it. Just remember us next time you wanna go buy something. And so, um, really cool dude. And I was like, sure, I am super excited about this. Started throwing down some cards with my sister and uh, we got to play but in there they had a little pamphlet that said hey start here and then it taught you step by step it gave you a default like starter hand out of the deck uh, the green deck so it said hey this is what a good starter hand would look like for this deck and it told you like what what lands to play or what kind of creatures to play or spells to play right away and they set you up for success in the same way that like mtg arena and also what um even the duels of the Planeswalkers or MTG duels did, it allowed you to essentially get the god to your hand that you needed for the deck. And it went step by step to say, hey, listen, you just drew this card, so you should play this card. And you do that, you have some fun, and uh, it makes your magic game a little bit better. Then the nice part is you can just shuffle those decks up and then go about playing some normal games of Magic. Now you know kind of how the phases of a turn work and how you get to play some creatures and spells. And yeah, it works out pretty well for you and your opponent to kind of get a basic grasp on how everything works in the Magic universe. One piece or one word of warning that I will give you is be careful that if you're going to a local Walmart or Target or other big box retailer that happens to sell Magic product, avoid those gotcha packs usually they have like a foil promo in the front and then they said hey we got three booster packs inside or even some of them now have one booster pack inside and they're charging like 15 bucks or whatever for it you do not go that route um, whatever you do do not do that you are throwing your money down the drain and you're not going to get it back whatsoever um, get something that is already pre-selled and from Wizards of the Coast that has all the magic branding on it. That is a full constructed deck. A lot of those mystery, you know, things don't really work out in your favor. It's like, oh, well, guess what? We got mystery packs in here for you. Or this might even or bring in a commander deck. Don't jump into those things. I mean, they sell like the cubes that are full of it. You know, I think, oh, well, it's going to double as storage and cards. No, you're, waste, you're throwing your money down the drain for paying as much as you do into those things. Now, 
you can be, if you really want to, dive down that route, go down the rabbit hole, and try your best to look through them if you really want to, but that's just throwing the money down the drain. Don't, don't do that. The other thing I would say, too, is maybe don't jump into Commander right away. Commander is a, um, essentially, an eternal format that plays with pretty much almost every card that's been printed in Magic ever. Um, it's more of a casual game. It's singleton. That means you only get one copy of each card in the deck. And um, outside of basic lands, which you probably have no idea if you're brand new to the game and have no idea how it works, you don't really know how that all works. But um, it's just say it's more complicated. It's a little bit more complex for a beginner that maybe is looking more for like decks that have some consistency are easier to learn and pick up. Eventually, you might want to delve into Commander or EDH, but I would recommend you find a play group that you can sit down with regularly so you can play Commander games, be it a local gaming store or be it some friends that you got into the game in the first place. Commander is one of the largest, most popular casual formats in Magic the Gathering, so you might have a very good chance or a very good shot at uh, finding somebody who plays the same format as you. But yeah, I know that's kind of long-winded, but that is what I had to say for new people that are looking to get into the game, don't really know where to start off, and don't have a local gaming store or somebody that can teach them how to play Magic the Gathering. There are a few scenarios that I kind of left off. Somebody that inherited cards from an older brother or other family member or somebody. Somebody who had happened to stumble into the game itself, or maybe went to a local gaming store once, kind of learned the basics how to play, but wants to get back into it, or somebody who's wanting to return back into it too. Each of those things are a little bit different. Um, but yeah, with that, that's, that's what I have for newbies getting into the game and trying to learn how to play. Next, let's talk about how you get other friends into the game. So now, what do you do from the perspective that you are the help? You are the one that's going to help somebody else get into the game of Magic the Gathering, and you're the one that already knows how to play, already has cards, and maybe is already playing with an established playgroup. How do you go and get somebody else into your games? How do you get your friends and families into it? Well, there are a few things you need to keep in mind and some things you need to make sure you consider when you are bringing them over. First of all, you're going to have to get rid of your preference. Second of all, you have to understand the budget. And then third of all, what do they actually need to walk away with? What information do they need to know? So to address this, let's talk about preference first. Preference is just saying, hey, listen, I, I like to play commander format. It's one of the most popular formats in all of Magic the Gathering, and that is my favorite way to play this game. So I'm going to teach my friend how to play my favorite way to play Magic the Gathering. I can attest. I've taught or tried to teach people how to play Magic the Gathering through Commander, and it can work, especially for the individuals that are fairly gifted at picking up games and stuff quickly. Yeah, no, it works out pretty well for them, but a lot of times people leave dissatisfied. They leave kind of upset and say, you know, I don't really want to do this kind of game. It seems way too complicated for me. Because here's the thing. Commander is a 100-card deck. So that's already bigger than the normal 60-card deck that they probably think might be a big deck already. It is a singleton format, meaning that you will see different cards every single time you draw outside of basic lands. So each turn, you're going to have to walk them step by step by the hand of, hey, well, the card you just drew is actually an instant, so you get to play that at any time. Oh, that next card you drew, that's an interrupt. That's what instants used to be. So now you have to explain that interrupts are instants, so you can play them at really any time you really want to. Um, 
You have to then tell them, oh, this is what a sorcery does. This is what an enchantment does. This is what a creature does. Because chances are, you're playing with every card type you possibly can. And they have to say, oh, well, this guy, he's actually an enchantment creature. And he's from Theros. And then you you go on your spiel about, like, how they're both types. So they're a permanent stays on the battlefield. They're artifact creatures, you know. I just, you have to start explaining a lot more than you would more on the casual side. And that's because in Commander, you're using every card that's available to you. Let's jump even deeper into that. Now you're playing with set mechanics that are specific maybe to one or two sets. Like, uh, we'll use Tamio's Journal. It's a card that I like to put into a lot of my white or red-white decks that have a hard time drawing cards. Put it in there because it acts as a card draw engine or a tutor. But now you have to explain, oh, well, this is a five-man artifact that you play. And it's a legendary artifact at that, so it sits on the battlefield. Then you have to be careful because you have to... Uh, you investigate every turn. So it means you create a little colorless token. And now you explain how investigating works. And you inv explain how you have to pay two to sacrifice. And then you get to draw a card. But wait, if you have more of these tokens in the battlefield, you know, use Tamio's journal and then sacrifice it. Now you're tutoring up a card, any card you want. And they're probably sitting there like, what card should I get? I have no idea how this deck works. And I don't even know how this game works. Why? So you've just taught them not only how like that that artifact works and the fact it's a legendary artifact but then you also explain how the investigate mechanic works which probably won't show up in the rest of your deck whatsoever and uh yeah that's not information that they necessarily need to know and so keeping it simple just like what i've talked about like in my warhammer educational like how-to videos to get people in the game and dnd &D, keep it simple stupid the kiss method goes great with magic too so you may have to cut your preference on the format you like to play. I know I, know I do whenever I play Modern. Modern is probably one of my favorite formats because it's fast and you have to be you know, thoughtful about what you do. It's like playing chess to a degree. You have to be more careful and you know, make sure that you leave your options open or at least know what kind of variables might come into play. If I play this card and I don't leave this mana open, well then that could open me up for them to play this spell that can screw me over. And so the games go faster for Modern, but guess what? They're also more competitive, and that is not everybody's, you know, favorite cut of their jib, I guess. So I think sticking to kitchen table magic is a good route to go if you're going to stay on the paper side. Getting a cheap budget deck that they can understand, you know, the basic functions of how the game works, that is your main goal, walking away from teaching somebody how to play the game. The other thing, too, that's maybe a little hard, but getting rid of your preference could be also meaning maybe getting rid of the paper preference. Now, with COVID going on, your friends or some family members may not want to come around you. They may not want to go out and about, especially if they have an autoimmune disorder that they're like, hey, I'm really worried about going anywhere other than like my house um, or like the doctor. <sighs> Keep that in mind is that you may have a hard time getting to play paper magic with those people, but they still might very much want to learn, especially if things start going back to a little bit of normalcy. You want to make sure that you have that available to them and so magic the gathering arena again that's a digital way to play i prefer paper magic i would prefer my friends play paper magic with me because i'd like to have one less digital thing in my life and um but that's a good way to kind of get people into the game is because it teaches them how to play it's like you had a bunch of developers sit down and program tutorial levels and kind of um deck building and everything they really need to know about the game and they get access to digital cards that they have their own little library of cards that they can then you know pick pieces about in their deck and that doesn't drop any money on it if they don't want to 
So keep that in mind. It's like the budget side of things, but also your preference on paper versus digital. Try to cut that out as well, too, because they might be very well okay with playing Magic the Gathering Arena, and they might figure out, hmm, this is not really a game I want to play, or yes, this is a very interesting game. And you're telling me that there's a card game to this, too, that I can play? So don't be afraid to use that as a crutch, especially if you guys are having a hard time getting together and playing Paper Magic. Use as an intro, and you get to play with your friends, too. You can send them invites and get a chance to play across different PCs or your phones or your tablets or whatever device you're using. You can play with your friends. Granted, it's not as easy as it should be, in my opinion, on there, but it's possible. My buddy Alex and I, we were able to play. We dropped on Discord, used that to kind of chat back and forth, and we played on our laptops. Him and his apartment, me at my house. And it worked out pretty well. So that's getting the preference out of the way. Now, what about the budget? Well, that I alluded to it a little bit ago, but figure out the budget for your friend and figure out the budget for yourself. Chances are your friend is probably not okay with dropping a $60 chunk of change to buy themselves their very first Magic deck. Especially if they don't know how to play and they don't know what the game's about in the first place. It's not like when you play a video game, you get to see a preview and maybe you get to play a demo and maybe you get to give it a go to see if you like the feel of the game in the first place and then you drop the $60 onto it to say, yeah, no, I definitely want to get this. Chances are they're probably not following Magic the Gathering scenes. They're not watching tournament players. They're not watching um, each of the spoiler drops or anything along those lines. So they don't know what's going on with the game. So you have to be that digital demo. You have to be that demo for them to get a chance to try the game out and have some fun with it. So I'm going to tell you this, a majority of people don't want to drop any money on this game until after they have given it a go or given it a try. And that's one of the main reasons why I do have cards. I have decks that I have built to teach new people how to play the game. And having those on hand is a very good place. Now, I can get into like how I build those starter decks, and I might just do an episode solely on that one because it might be lengthy, and this one's already lengthy enough, in my opinion. But, you know, having some decks on hand is a good route to go. In the past, what I used to do is I would let my friends kind of learn how to play and get a test of it, a taste of it, not a test of it. They would test it out to get a taste of it. There we go. They would do that, and then um, maybe we'd go out to the local gaming store, and then I would introduce them to the local gaming store and some of the people that I knew there, and then I would show them over to, like, the intro packs, so that way they get a chance to have their own deck that they got to choose themselves, and they get to crack a pack, and uh, that's pretty huge for a lot of people. A lot of people really, really, really love that aspect of it. Other people can care less. You know, they may never crack a pack in their life and they might be a singles bar buyer right out from the gate. But I think everybody in their magic career has probably gone to a local gaming store or went to a Walmart or Target and says, you know what? I want to help increase some of my magic, um, my magic the gathering library. I want to have some of the different cards. I want to pull some cards and hopefully get that super sweet mythic rare um, or that really cool planeswalker. And uh, yeah, they go crack some packs. I think everybody's done it at some point. Um, but yeah, that's an option. You can go through and say, this is what we're going to do. For me, I'm more of the case of saying, hey, I'm going to expect that they don't want to drop any money on this game right away until they get a chance to test it out. And if they like it, maybe then we tell them and say, hey, maybe you should consider buying a deck or maybe I can help you with building a deck if you tell me what your price limit is and I will build you a deck according to such. And so what I would do is go that route. But the deck you're going to use to teach your friends how to play the game, it needs to be simple. 
go towards the KISS method, keep it simple, stupid, do not overcomplicate some things. And honestly, I would tell you just as a good point of reference, look at cards that are printed in core sets or jumpstart sets or introductory sets. Because guess what? A lot of the reminder text, it's on there. It tells you what Trample does. It tells you what Fly does. It tells you what Vigilance does. And it tells you what Unblockable or um, Sulk or whatever they decide to throw out that route. They tell you what it is you need to know about those things. And usually they have just enough flavor to kind of give you a taste of it. But also a lot of times those cards can be pretty budget because they've been reprinted so many stinking times. Garrick's Companion, in my opinion, is still one of the greatest green two drops you can get um, for like casual balanced play. It costs two forests. It's a 3-2 trample creature. That 3-2, I mean, usually you would pay 2-2 two, two for 2. You'd, it'd be a bear. But you get trample and it's a 3-2 with this 2-drop. That's a pretty good place. It has been reprinted so many times, especially in core sets. And guess what? My starter decks that I have used to teach my friends how to play the games, one of them I have right now uses Garrick's Companion in it. And uh, I'll talk about that in the episode where I'm saying, hey, you know, deck building uh, those tutorial decks, deck building a starter deck, and how you can break it down. I'm going to go over that in its own episode, but look towards those ones when you are building up a deck. Try to keep it simple and say, you know what? This is an aggro deck, but it's going to focus primarily on creatures that have trample. Oh, this one's a bit more of a control deck. So it's going to be playing more spells that draw and that's going to have some creatures that maybe have fat butts like crabs that are 0-4s. They can sit on the battlefield and soak up damage while you're waiting to play your big game finishers so they can see how a control deck works. You get to choose how those decks function, but again, make sure you don't put your preference in there. You may love mono red aggro. Your friend might like it too, but they might not. You might love a life game strategy where you're going through and trying to you know, get as much life as you can and play a card like Felidar Sovereign or Test of Endurance to win you the game. Your friend might not like that. So it's okay that you want to do that. Just know that they might not want to. And you, so you should have some variety, in my opinion, on the decks that you do provide to them. There's a reason why the Magic the Gathering team over at Wizards of the Coast had went by um, the player site, or not physiologies, the player profiles for so long. The Johnnies, who love combo and synergistic decks working together and cards working in synergy. The Timmy, that love the big flashy cards, like to play the giant angels, giant dragons, and demons and such. And then you've got your Spike that is trying to get the most efficiency um, and eat the most out of the mana that they put into the cards. I myself, you know, reflecting on what I am, I am a Johnny and a Spike, and it's fitting because my name actually is Johnny. So, I'm a Johnny Spike. I enjoy having my decks do something cool and interact in a unique and cool way, but then I also like to stay competitive on top of it. I do like to try and eke out as much mana efficiency as I can, and I do like to win the game, not gonna lie. But yeah, that's what I've got, you know, as far as looking at the the budget of things and looking at the um, your preference and trying to remove that, that's, that's very important pieces you need to understand when you're teaching somebody how to play the game. Go digital, go Magic the Gathering Arena if you want to, and if they want to, it's a great way to go. But if you are one of those people that can get them into paper, I'm in the the mindset that paper can trump digital. There's a reason why there's still people that play paper magic. 
It's an opportunity to escape and get away from the screens, get a chance to socialize with other people around a nerdy card game. So what do you actually need to have them walk away with? And I know the rest of them are important. This one is important too. They need to walk away with a basic understanding of how each of the phases of the turn works. They need to know how to use their upkeep and untap. They need to know that they get a draw card. They need to know how to tap lands and play lands. It's like play lands and tap lands, go in that order. And they need to know how to play spells. They didn't need to know the intricacies of how um, a specific set mechanic broke the modern format or how certain cards are on a reserve list or anything. You can drop those little tidbits in there, but chances are they probably don't want to learn the entirety of a lore of how, hey, you are a planeswalker and you're going back and forth between each dimension um, or each world known as planes and you use the mana ley lines from the worlds to help cast these different spells. And I mean, if they're into that, let them know it. If they're not, leave it out. You say, hey, listen, you play a land, and this land generates what's known as mana. And this mana allows you to play creatures and play spells or bring them out into the battlefield that allows you to interact with each other. And then try to keep it simple again and say, hey, you know, you can make a deck that says, hey, you win the game if you do X thing. That's totally fine. But maybe try to stick to the most, the most popular way to win the game bring your opponent's life total from 20 to zero i think that might be an easy route to go introducing the mill you could do that if you want to but make things a little bit difficult um you can introduce them to the alternate wing cons like uh what the heck is the hedron one that requires you to have like one in hand one on battlefield one in graveyard and one in exile i don't hedron alignment i don't know it's a blue card you can try to do that if you want to that's a bad idea in my opinion Stick with the try to bring your opponent's life total from 20 to zero and keep it simple on that end. One, that's going to help you out budget-wise because a lot of cards are printed to do that and uh, can be easy to go that route. And then two, it's pretty straightforward and simple for them to understand that concept of, oh, I play this creature and this creature has two power. And every time I swing in at you, you're losing two life. And then I put more creatures at the battlefield. And now I can swing in for seven or eight, you know, power. And now you're going to lose even more life as the game goes on. So, you know, keep it to that if you can. Make sure they understand that they know how to play the cards that they have. And make sure they understand the phases of the turn. The other thing I would say is try to keep consistency in your decks. And I'm going to talk more into it on the deck building side when I create that episode again here for you. That is updated. Make sure that you have it set up that they get some consistency in their deck that they're not doing a singleton format but rather they are playing with cards that they are going to be able to draw again so if they're playing a deck where they have um, Garrick's Companion in it try to make sure they're playing with a full play set of Garrick's Companion in the deck because once you teach them how to play Garrick's Companion once it'll be much easier for them to then draw Garrick's Companion and say oh I know how this card works that sparks a moment of realization and helps them with remembering how to play the game, but also entrances them because they've successfully remembered what to do with this card. They say, oh, I've got this card. I'm gonna play two, tap two green forests, and then I'm gonna play this creature that I already know how it works. And I already know the power that has behind it. So it's gonna make your life easier with teaching them, and it's gonna make their life easier with learning the game. So try to keep it as simple as you can, Make sure you keep it as consistent as you can. But those are my pointers for you to teach somebody how to play the game. 
And um, there are a lot of different ways to go about it too. You know, if you guys want to go in joint and try to get started off and on an equal footing, like, hey, we're both going to go out and we're going to buy this deck builder's toolkit. Buy the most recent one you can find. You both will then have access to lands. You'll both have access to cards that are like in the welcome deck kind of theme. And then you'll get some booster packs that you can crack. And uh, then you can build a deck that's going to be pretty similar power level to each other and play the game. And you both are on equal footing. You don't have to worry about, oh, I've got my $600 modern deck going against your $20 casual deck. It's pretty clear to know who's going to win in that situation. But allowing your friend and you to be able to do that, that's a great way to go. After you teach in that first introductory game where you've kept it simple, they understand the faces and they kind of understand how the deck is. Another thing you consider is maybe if it's a pretty cheap and inexpensive deck, give it to them. Say, this is your deck you can have. Did, or better yet, ask them, hey, did you enjoy the game? What did you think about the deck you were playing? And like, oh, I really like this and this and this. And say, hey, listen, that's yours. You can keep it. You know, now they've got something that they can have that when you guys get together, they can bring it into their deck. They've got something that they can increase and add cards and swap it and out. And they can start building their magic library from that. I'm very huge. I love to teach people how to build budget decks um, using budget mana bases or budget cards or just looking at how cards can synergize together on a five to ten dollar budget a lot of times. And it's a cheap way to get your friends into the game. How much is it worth a new hobby for you and your friend to get in the game? Is five to ten bucks good enough for you? There you go. Build them a deck that that's that price and let them keep it. Make it their own. So that's all I have for the episode today. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, hit me up at the jhamspecial at gmail.com or jhamspecial on Twitter. That's the official email and Twitter for the podcast, respectively. Um, I'd love to have some like feedback and maybe some chance for us to communicate and talk back and forth and have some correspondence. Um, if you have something we want to talk about magic-wise or Warhammer-wise or any other nerdy hobby that I happen to have brought up or you guys are interested in hearing my thought on, um, hit me up. I love to hear from you guys. And until the next time, be good to yourselves. Take care of yourselves. Take care of those that you love and that you cherish. And uh, I'll see you on the next Magic Monday. Bye. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the J-Ham Special, where I love to talk about Magic the Gathering, Warhammer 40k, Dungeons and Dragons, and other aspects of my nerdy life. My name is John, I'll be your host for this episode of Magic Monday, where I delve into my favorite tabletop card playing game, Magic the Gathering. I primarily focus on content that goes around, you know, different deck building ideas, you know, card spotlights, you know, just overall thinking for the format, and also I try to be as introductory, I guess, for people that are getting into the game or that might be newer to it while also still bringing something for those of us that have been playing for several years now. Today's episode is kind of more of a follow-up from my previous one about getting into Magic in 2021. And this one's going to center a bit more around how do you build a deck to teach your friend, family member, significant other, your pupil, how to play this game. Now, primarily going to be focusing on the paper side of things, so I'm not looking at telling you how to build a MTG Arena deck or going through that, because... Honestly, I just don't spend a lot of time on MTG Arena. I do play it occasionally, but it's not really my go-to. I want to talk to you about how you can go through and actually get paper into their hands and have a functioning deck that you can teach them how to play the game with and not make them feel like they're completely lost in the dark. 
So without further ado, let's dive on in and talk about how to make your teaching decks for your brand new players.